I want to kind of do a quick review in case you missed it last week, but last week was very foundational. And uh, as we kind of talk about mistakes that we make as Christians in the Christian world, um, I have seen these mistakes many times. And there are three of them that really kind of highlight um, that we talked about last Sunday. And if you missed last Sunday, you can go online. You can follow this online. You can catch up. And, uh, but number one, the first mistake that we make is we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. And for some people, and for a lot of us, we're, we're, we're just, we, we don't have an a, a understanding, understanding of the end time. And um, in fact, we might be a little weirded out or freak out a little bit. Uh, for some of us, it's, just, you know, it's like, man, it's hard to understand this. It almost feels like a sky spy, you know, a little bit of a science fiction. But Bible is biblical. And uh, so because we don't know what to do with it, we, we just don't want to talk about it. We just try to ignore the subject altogether. That's the first mistake that we make when it comes to end time. The second mistake, um, not that I've seen any of us in here have done it, but there have been Christians that have set dates. We have tried to set dates, and we talked about some of those things last week, and um, we, you know, about, um, about those things, and we, we don't know the date, we don't know the time, or the day or the hour of Christ's return, but we did talk about you can know the season. And the Bible and Jesus talk about the season, what the end time will look like. And, and so, um, so that's the second mistake. And the third mistake, and how we closed the service last week, is we obsess over the what and the when, and we forget about the who. You see, at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. When we talk about end time, it's all about Jesus. And so last Sunday, we, we looked, and we kind of did a fly-through of the book of 1 Thessalonians, a flyover of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We did look at that passage, and, 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 and today, I want to go back to that same passage and, 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 and kind of break that down just a little bit more as we kind of develop eschatology, the studies of end time. And um, again, 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, four, and uh, before we jump in there, the, uh, if, if, to remind you, the first century Christians, they, they were so convinced, they were absolutely convinced that Jesus was returning, that Jesus was coming back. They knew that he was coming back at any moment. In fact, there were some people that were going around saying, hey, Jesus already came back, and you missed it. And, and, and so, some of them were kind of freaked out about it. They were like, oh no, how could we miss the return of Jesus? And, and, and so, um, so Paul's writing Thessalonians to kind of set up, what, you know, explain what's going to happen in the end time and to help us to have a better understanding of that. And so we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 again. I'm going to read it all together, uh, uh, not the whole chapter, but verses 13 to 18, and then throughout the message, I want to kind of break this down and help us to have a better understanding of of what we have in Christ. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 13. Bible says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. By the way, the message today is about the hope that we have as Christians the hope 
that we have as Christians. Verse number 14. For we believe, and this is the essence of Christianity, that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, we are to encourage one another with these words. We're not to freak each other out. We're to encourage each other. And that's what I want to do today. I want to encourage you. History says that we need to look back. Science says that we need to look around. Philosophy says that we need to look within. But Christianity says we need to look up. We need to look up. And the difference between a lost man, a person without Jesus, and a saved man is simply this. The lost man has no hope. Whereas the saved man, he has a blessed hope. And so I want to encourage you today. I want to give you three reasons today as Christians why we can have hope. Number one, if you're taking notes, I want to talk about the return. Christ is coming again. Jesus himself, he talks about this in John Gospel, chapter 14, and verse number 3. He told the disciples, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. And I will take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Jesus says, I will return. I'm coming back. This was his Arnold Schwarzenegger moment. I'll be back. This is the General Douglas MacArthur biggest moment in the Philipp- when he left the Philippine Islands in World War II when he said to the army, I shall return. Jesus said to the disciples, I am coming back. And so the early church was so, so excited about the return of Jesus that they actually had a greeting that they would use with each other. And like when we see somebody today, our greeting's not so very spiritual, right? I mean, it's like, hi, how are you doing? What's happening? You know, you know and, hey, have a good day. You know, but they had a spiritual connotation in their greeting. They would say they would grab the hand, they would greet each other, they would grab each other's hand, and with faith in their eyes, they would say the word Maranatha. Maranatha. The word Maranatha simply means our Lord is coming. Our Lord is coming back. Maranatha, they would, instead of saying hello or hi or how you doing, they would say Maranatha. In other words, 
And these were troubled times that they lived in. They were still under the, the oppression of Rome and, and, and persecution, you know, for those that hated Jesus, that they would go around, they'd see a Christian and say, you know what, I know things seem bad, but listen, better days are still ahead of us, Maranatha, the Lord is coming back. There was an anticipation, a holy anticipation, that they knew that Jesus is coming back. And, and, and the Bible says that we should be anticipating it. In fact, the scripture says, and Paul, he writes this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. And Paul said this. He said, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Let me pause here for a minute. We're going to talk about uh, several crowns next Sunday. That's going to be part of this whole series. And that's interesting. But we're going to talk about that next week. But Paul here, he said he's in, he knows that there's this award coming. I mean, very confident about this award. Have you, ever, have you ever gone to an award and you're just not quite sure you're going to get one or not? I mean, remember when you were in elementary school and uh, you're just kind of like hoping maybe, maybe you get the honorable mention award. I mean, that's an award for, hey, I've got nothing left for you, but you get the honorable mention and you can still come up to the platform and feel like you got something, okay? And, uh, and, and so, you know, but Paul, he knows he knows he got this. Why? He says, he said, I'm going to get this crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And said, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Those of you that you just can't wait for Jesus to come back. The Bible said, do the reward of a crown for those who long for the Lord's returning. Now here's the problem, if I can be honest this morning. The problem is that most of us probably won't get that crown. You say, why? Because people are so in love with this world that we don't long for the return of Christ. I confess, I probably won't get this award. I probably won't get this crown. In fact, I'll be real honest, there was actually a time when I was praying against the return of Jesus. I was engaged to my wife, and we were waiting until our wedding day to do, you know, <laughs> married, married couple stuff. Now, for six months of engagement, I'm praying, the Lord, please don't come back yet. I said, you just wait, and then, and, then when you, and then when you get married, give us one month, and then you come back, okay? <laughs> By the way, I didn't tell Karen I was doing this, and uh, she's loving this. And uh, but you say, man, Scott, that's terrible. I know, it's sad to say it, but, you know, say it, but true. And my friend, Marinatha, he's coming back. In fact, this is what Paul says in the Thessalonian passage. He said in verse 14, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Now, what, what, what does that mean? Falling asleep. Does that mean that there's a guy in the third row somewhere sleeping in church? Is that what that means? No, that's not what that means. What it means is that... It, it, it's kind of a poetic 
way of saying you're dead, that you have died. And as Christians, we don't technically die forever because we'll live with God. And so it's a poetic way of saying that we're asleep in Jesus. It's temporary. And now we see the return of Christ. Look at verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. Now we talked about that a little bit last Sunday. I kind of thought some ideas. You know, we don't really know exactly what he's going to say. But he's going to say with a, with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. Now remember this. You know, when God speaks, God spoke at creation, right? He said, let there be light. There was light. All right? There were times when God would whisper. He would whisper. But this time, when Jesus returns, what's going to happen? Well, there could be a loud shout, a loud command. The voice of the archangel Michael, he's going to shout. The trumpet of God is, is going to blast it down. Why is all this happening? Because the greatest victory, my friend, in the history of the world demands the greatest shout, the greatest shout from our Lord. The trumpet of God will sound, the archangel cries, the Lord will shout, and notice what happened in the rest of verse 16. The Bible says that the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, now who are the dead in Christ? Who are those? Remember, Paul talking to the Thessalonian believers. And he said, listen, your loved ones that are Christians, that have died, but they're Christians, they're the ones that can arise first. You know, we sang a song this morning, come alive. You know, there's going to be a stirring in the ground, six feet under. You know, when Jesus returns. And those who are dead in Christ will rise first. Now, there's some of us, this, this could be very confusing. So I'm going to take my time on this for the next few minutes. It's very clear in the scripture that there will be two resurrections. Not, not talking about the resurrection of Jesus. I'm talking about two other types of resurrection. And you need to know this. The first resurrection is for those who are believers who will be raised from the dead. The first resurrection. In fact, we will, those who are part of that first resurrection, you know, they will, they will come out of the grave. And then, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about it next week, but they will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. All right? And we're not being judged for our salvation. We're being judged for our work. That's where the crowns are being handed out, all right? And, and so that, that happens after the first resurrection. There is a second resurrection, and these are for not the Christians. These are for those who are non-believers, who died without knowing Jesus. This is also known as the resurrection of the dead. The resurrection of the dead. And they will be judged. There will be a judgment seat called the Great White Throne Judgment. I believe that Christians will not be in attendance at the Great White Throne Judgment. 
And they will be judged very differently. They will be judged for not accepting Jesus as the Lord and Savior. Their name will not be found in the Lamb's book of life. And they will be punished, eternally separated from God, and destined for a very real place called hell. And so in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, we're just talking about the first resurrection. The resurrection of those who are in Christ. In fact, the Bible says it like this in Revelation. Revelation chapter 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. If you're dead, this is the one you want to be in. Blessed and holy are those who have a part in the first resurrection. Instead of the rest of us, the second death has no power over them. Stop there for a minute. The second death has no power over them. You say, well, Scott, what, is, what, what does that mean, the second death? Well, here it is. If you're part of the first resurrection, the second death has no power over you. I've heard someone say it like this. You can be born once and die twice. Or you can be born twice and die once. I want you to look at that for a minute. You, you could be born once and you die twice. Or you could be born twice and die once. You can be born one time, and listen, all of you, as best as I can tell, you've been born one time. All of us here. What happened? What happened? Your mama screamed. She pushed. You came out. Dr. Spank, first birth. We all got that, right? If you're only born one time, if you're only born that one time, you will die twice. In other words, you will die a physical death. We understand physical death. You will die a physical death, and then you stand before God, and you will die an eternal spiritual death and you die twice. The good news is that if you're born twice, you can only die once. And you say, well, how in the world can you be born twice, Scott? Well, again, your mama screams, she pushed, you come out, Dr. Spank, first birth, right? And then Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Verse 3, he said, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Jesus said that a person can be born a second time. Well, how is that? You go back into your mother's womb and do the whole thing over again? No. You're, you're born spiritually. You had a physical birth. And then at some point in your life, you had a spiritual birth. When you called on Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, what happened is that you are spiritually born. Your old life is gone. You're forgiven, transformed. 
They're made completely new in Christ. And so, so for those of us who are Christian, you only die once, a physical death. And you don't have to experience, and you won't experience a spiritual death. But for those who've only been born once, you will die a physical death and a spiritual death. So what we have so far, we have the return of Jesus. Christ is coming again. Here's the second thing, if you're taking notes. The rapture. The rapture. Living Christians are taken away. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. After that, after what? After the dead in Christ come out, come out first. Okay, so listen, if you're, a, if you're alive and when Christ returns, this is going to be something to see. You're going to see the dead go first. They, they need to go first because you got those who are alive a six, month, a, a six feet head start. Okay? All right, they're buried. All right, so they go first. So that way, you know, you can kind of catch up with them. All right? So you're alive after that. All right? The Bible says we are still alive and our left will be, I want you to underline, caught up. We'll be caught up. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Now, after the dead in Christ rise first, and if that happens in your lifetime, and you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, we who are alive will be caught up. Now, the word caught up comes from a Greek word, harpazo. I want y'all to say it with me. Say it out loud. Harpazo. Uh, y'all do better than that. One, two, three. Harpazo. It means to be snatched, to be rescued, to be taken away. This is where the idea of rapture comes from. Now, that's the last Sunday. The word rapture is not found. That word is not found in the Bible. But here's the concept. It's the same thing as the word harpazo. Except the rapture version is in Latin. It's a Latin terminology. It's pronounced as rapio. Rapio. It's the same equivalent to the Greek word harpazo, which means to be taken away, to be snatched, to be rescued. And this is what the scripture says. You, those who are still alive, will be snatched away. You'll be rescued. And I believe that the rapture of believers can happen, just like I said last Sunday, it can happen at any time. We must always be ready. I'm going um, to unfold this a little bit more next week, giving you a lot of cliffhangers. So that means you're just going to have to come back, okay? It's going to have to be here, all right? And so I'm going to give you kind of a timeline just to kind of make this helpful for you. And, uh, and we're going to start with... Um, Tom's guitar. Y'all see Tom's guitar right over here? And uh, we're going to make this represent a very important part of our history, the most important event of all time, and that is the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
right? And so this will represent the resurrection of Jesus. And then we have the time period, and we're going we're gonna to call this the church age, and we come to this podium. And this podium represents the return of Christ. Now, I want you to understand, as we talk about the return of Christ, this is not the same thing as the second coming of Christ. See, Christ only comes to the clouds. He makes an announcement, and we all join him, and he takes it away. All right? There is a point after this, the second coming, where he actually comes back and rules and reigns on this earth. We'll talk about that next Sunday, all right? That's the second coming of Christ. This is, you know, Christ coming into the clouds, all right? The, you know, this is what we're at right here, the rapture, all right? And so there's a lot, there are different thoughts and views of the timeline. Remember last Sunday I said open hand, close hand, right? Remember that? We, we got close hand things. Hey, we believe in our close hand issue, a close hand essentials of our faith. Hey, we believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. That is a closed hand. You know, it's not by works, but it's by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone, right? That is a closed hand issue. Open handed issue. You know, there's some things that we can disagree. We may have different interpretations, but we, we can still be friends. You know, we don't have to split hairs over this. And so this is some open-handed um, uh, ideas and interpretations. I'm going to share what I believe, all right? But if you're sitting there and say, well, Scott, I've got a different opinion on that, that's okay, all right? We, 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 we do know this, that the Lord is coming back. Right? At the end of the day, we can agree on that, and that's a very, very important thing. In fact, to me, that would be a close-handed, the Lord is coming back. But how this all unfolds and how this works, we can be a little bit, okay, open-handed on this. This is what I believe. All right? There are other different beliefs, and they all have good scriptural backing for different ideas. But there is, after, in my opinion, a seven-year tribulation called the tribulation. You read Revelation, you see all this stuff unfolding. It's very scary. Seven years. All right? And, and, and so the seven years of tribulation uh, will take place. Now, I believe in pre-trib. Pre-trib means that the rapture uh, takes place before the tribulation. In other words, if you're in Christ Jesus, you know, whether you're, you're alive or dead, you know, Jesus comes back, and he rescues us. He snatches away, and then the seven-year tribulation happens after the rapture. That's where I stand. There are others, and I've got good friends, that believe in mid-tribs. A mid-trib believes that the rapture will happen in the middle of this seven-year tribulation. They believe that the first three and a half years, all the Christians are still alive, you know, you're still here, and then at the three-and-a-half-year mark, the rapture happens, Christ returns. And then we are rescued from the second half of the tribulation, which is going to be worse than the first half. All right? And so there, there are friends that believe this. And, and we, listen, I still get along with them. You know, that's okay. I have friends that believe in post-trib. They believe that the, that the tribulation will happen first, then the rapture. In fact, they would say that the seven years is a 
figurative term that, you know, that the, the tribulation is the church age. It, 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 we're in it. And, and, and they've got good argument to, to back up that idea of a, of a post-tribulation rapture. Now again, how you stand on the issue, we don't have to split hairs on. There's a fourth one. Maybe you're out here. Maybe this is where you stand. It's pan-trib. It's this guy I have no idea, but I just believe at the end of the day, it all pans out. <laughs> I just believe Jesus is coming back. You know, post-trib, pre-trib, mid-trib, whatever. It's all going to pan out. Now, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm, this is, here's the reason why I'm here at the, at the you know, at, at a pre-trib. I'm, I'm a pre-trib guy because I believe in God's goodness. He will spare us the wrath of the tribulation. That, that's my take on it. And if you're mid-trib or post-trib, hey, go for it. Have fun during the tribulation while I am, um, you know, rescued. <laughs> that's how that works, okay? We're all, one way or the other, we're all going to be in the same boat. All right? So, that's the timeline. We're going to unpack more of this next Sunday. All right, so right now, where are we? Are we over here? Yes, all right. Are we, you know, in the church age, are we closer? I believe we're closer than we, like I said, closer than it appears. I believe that with holy anticipation, we should be looking up. We should be looking up. We know that any time, Harpazo, he will rescue us. He's going to take us away. He's going to snatch us out. In fact, it's going to be intense. Jesus describes it like this in Matthew chapter 24. And I want you to pay, pay attention to this. Because this is how Jesus said it's going to happen. Verse number 39. He said, this is how it's going to be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken. And the other is left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken, and the other is left. In our contact, you might be in the office. One is taken, and the other is left. You might be in the factory. One is taken, the other is left. You might be driving a vehicle. One is taken, the other is left. The Bible says in verse 44, don't miss the application of this. So you also must, you must be ready. Be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. He's coming. And so if you're a believer in Jesus, this is serious, serious stuff. He is returning. The trumpet going to sound. My friend, you must be ready. Because it could happen at any time. There's the return of Jesus. There's the rapture. The third thing, if you're taking notes, and this to me is very exciting, it's called the reunion. The reunion. Christians will be with God forever. This could be unlike any reunion you've ever been to. Some reunions you, should, you try to avoid, but you're obligated to go because... You don't have a choice. It's always that crazy uncle, you know, or some crazy aunt. There's someone that you're trying to avoid at, this, at that reunion. I know. 
We've all been to it. But this reunion will be totally different. It will be totally different. The Bible says here in verse number 17, again, we started this already, but let me say it again. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds. Now, what are we going to do there? Well, we're going to meet the Lord in the air. Can you imagine that? I mean, the one who gave his life for you, you get to meet him for the very first time, face to face. The one that we sing song to and song about every week. The one that you read the scripture and read his story. You get to meet him in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Now I want you to let that sink in for just a minute. When this happens, you will be with the Lord for how long? Forever. We'll talk about this a little bit more next week, but I want you to think about what this means. You'll be with the Lord forever. There'll be no more sin, no more pain, no more heartache, no more brokenness, no more diseases, no more pandemic, COVID, monkeypox, whatever's out there. Talk out. No more poverty. No more starving children. No more divorce. No more loneliness. No more cancer. Oh, what a day that will be. What a reunion that will be. You will be with the Lord forever. And if there is any short of tears, the Bible says that the Lord will wipe away all tears and you will mourn no more. You will be with the Lord forever. Maranatha, the Lord is coming back. Maranatha, our Lord is returning. Uh, so what should we do until he returns? Well, I'll tell you what not to do. As Christians, we should not stockpile, you know, food and, and create a bunker and, you know, collect weapons. We shouldn't be doing that. No. We, we should encourage each other with these words. Hey, he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. In light of all the world problems, we should be encouraged because this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. What are the takeaways? What does it mean for all of us? Well, number one, God believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 
But go back to verse 14 in 1 Thessalonians. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. If you don't know Jesus, you need to understand something. The resurrection, that first resurrection, and that rapture are by invitation only. If you're not saved, Jesus will not shout for you. You will not hear the trumpet call. You will not hear the shout of the archangel. My friend, have you been born twice? Have you ever been born spiritually? Has there ever been a time in your life where you've had Jesus to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior? Pluck nothing, minus nothing. He alone is all you need. And so do you know Jesus? That's the first question. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus, my friend, I want to wait another day. I want to wait another week. I pray that today you will make a decision. Right at the end of the service, talk to me, talk to one of our staff, talk to one of our prayer team members, and say, you know, I don't know Jesus. I'm not ready for the trumpet call. I'm not ready for Jesus to come back because I don't know Jesus. I've never been born twice. And today, I want to get born again. And you do that today at the end of our service. We want to do that. That's the most important thing you can ever do and to get born the second time. And here's the second takeaway. And for those who are believers, we are to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Give ourselves fully, not half-heartedly, but completely all in for Jesus. It's an all in. Hey, I am all in. I want to give myself fully to you, Lord, to the work of the Lord. I want to close this message out with the passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Bible says in verse 51, again, this is Paul. The Apostle Paul said, listen, I'll tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. How fast is this going to happen? The Bible says, in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. We'll have a new body, an eternal body. Another story I heard about a farmer who's never been to the big city. He's never seen a high rise. And one day his son said, Dad, we need to go to, a, to, to, to the city. And so they drove two, three, four hours and he was blown away by the sight of being in a big city. See skyscrapers, and, and they had an appointment in one of the skyscrapers, and, and he walked into the, that big tall building. He's never seen an elevator before. And he just had to stand back and just watch and saw this, this older lady walk into this elevator. He saw the door closes. He, he's blown away. He said, wow, this is so cool. He sees the dial of the elevator go up to a floor, and then a few minutes later, come back down. And when it came back down, 
there came out a younger lady. And now Obama looked at his son and said, son, get home quick and get my, get my wife. She needs to go through that elevator. There's going to be a change when we go up that elevator. He said, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall all be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable have been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, in other words, we're going to be transformed. We're going to be transformed into new bodies, eternal bodies. And we will live for, with God forever. And then he goes on to say this, then the thing that is written will come true. We'll have a better understanding of the phrase after it's all said and done. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, oh, death is your victory? Where, oh, death is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He give us the victory, not through our own religious effort, not through our good work, not trying to do less bad and more good in this world. She said, no, we will have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, my friend, it's all about him. It's all about his glory. And here's the application. This is our takeaway. He said, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And we say, how you do that, Scott? Well, you serve him. You praise him. You worship him. You give in his name. You, you share his love. You, you live with intensity. I love the evangelist D.L. Moody. He said this, I have felt like working three times as hard since I came to understand that my Lord is coming back. If you knew Jesus was coming back this Tuesday, how will you live today? How will you live today if you knew Jesus was coming back on Tuesday? How will you live today? I know what you live. I know how you do it. You clean up. You get ready, my friend. That's how we should live. That's how we should live. Maranatha. Maranatha. Our Lord is coming back. Our Heavenly Father, we love you, and we're thankful for your word. God, there are some of us here today that we're not ready for the trumpet call. We're not ready for the voice of the archangel and the loud command from our Savior. There are some of us here, we've only been born once. We've never been born again. And so God, I pray that today, that they will have the courage, that they will have the courage to talk to someone today about what it means to have a second birth, to be born spiritually, to be born again. And so God, I know there are some believers here. There may be a lot of us here today 
We're not anticipating your return. We live the way we want to live, but we don't think that you could show up at any time. We're not really giving ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Maybe some of us are giving half-heartedly. Maybe some of us are giving nothing. But God, I pray that today that we leave here with an intensity in our lives to fully serve you, to fully work for you, to do what we need to do to tell others about the blessed hope that we have as Christians. Lord, we know you're coming back. We don't know when. But God, I pray you help us to live every day as if it's our last. In Jesus' name, amen.